0: Welcome to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. Vialto is your ally in mobility, tax and immigration solutions. We spark meaningful growth for your business and your people. At Vialto, we push the boundaries of global mobility, powering positive outcomes in business and beyond. Our teams partner closely with you Providing extensive expertise and seamless tech enabled experiences so you can mobilize a dynamic global workforce and unlock potential.
1: Welcome to the first episode of On the Move, discussing posted workers. In the upcoming weeks, we will be diving into the fascinating world of posted workers and its very complex legislation. I'm your host for this sessions, Sherry Zaid Maestre. I'm a senior manager and immigration lawyer at Vialto Partners, and I'm thrilled to embark on this enlightening journey with you. In this five-episode series, we'll explore the intricacies and challenges surrounding posted workers. Posted workers who are basically individuals who are employed in one country but temporarily sent to work in another. Each week, we'll delve into the different aspects of the regulations, shedding light onto the legal frameworks, obligations, risks, and economic implications of managing posted workers within your Global Mobility Programme. Through engaging discussions with experts in the field and providing practical insights, we aim to demystify the often complex and misunderstood landscape of posted workers. To start opening this big box and to provide a great starting framework, I have today with me Grace and Alvaro. I would want to give you a super warm welcome and I'm wondering if you'd like to introduce yourselves to our listeners.
2: Yeah. Uh- I'm, I'm Grace Evans. I've worked at Fialta Partners, formerly PwC, for coming up to 10 years now, based in the UK in London. I originally specialised in UK immigration for the first three to four years that I was here, and most recently I've been working within the global immigration team and also focusing on PwD. So that's me, and I'll hand over to Alvaro to introduce himself as well.
3: Thank you very much, Grace. Uh, I'm Alvaro. I work in de Spain. I'm based in Madrid. I'm in the immigration and social security team, but I also have a role in the PWD network, in the global network. So good to be here. And thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really, really happy to have you here today. And well, I've I've briefly mentioned in the introduction what a posted worker may be, but I think that we need to explore a bit more what is a po- who is a posted worker actually, and how does this legislation apply to them? So, when do we start, Grace? Yeah. So, um, as
2: many people I'm, I'm sure would already be aware, a posted worker is somebody who temporarily works in another. EU member state other than the state that they normally work in. And it's it's as simple as that, really. The posted workers directive could apply to assignees, business travellers, or temporary workers. And for our clients, we've noticed that the two main buckets um, of travellers tend to be assignees, which are individuals being seconded from their home employer, either to their employer's host entity internally or to client sites. And assignments could be anywhere from, say, a few months to up to three years. And then the second bucket of travellers would be business travellers. And business travellers are technically those who are travelling for short periods of time, uh, typically a few days or up to maybe a week and maybe doing work activities.
1: This is a great introduction. And Alvar, do you want to tell us a bit more about how to differentiate between these assignees and the business travellers that Grace has just mentioned?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. This is a complex topic as as this is an EU directive. There's a different regulation that vary country by country, but yeah, we need to look into the length of the assignment, the days of the assignment, and the type of activities. So I think it's very important to differentiate the, between, the, between the business activities, which are activities like uh, business meetings, conference, things like that, and putting real hands of on work. There are Uh, countries in in which, in both cases, the post-workers directive apply. But as mentioned, we need to check country by country. And yeah, it's important to mention that.
1: And I think there are are some exemptions as well, right, Alvaro? In terms of like, even if uh, business travel is doing activities that are not considered business activities, so there is hands-on work, they may have some exemptions in which they do not need to apply for a posted worker
3: yeah yeah that's it because we need to look into at also the the length of the assignment, the days that they will be in the host country. It varies country by country, so it's it's um it's a complex topic that will will be discussed further in in another episode yeah
1: so to start with, we basically have assignments and we have business travelers, they all may be posted workers, and we need to unfortunately need to look at the different countries and all of the specific advice. And one common question that we have that arises after COVID mostly is: are international remote workers considered posted workers?
2: Yes, yeah, so this is a very common question amongst our clients, actually. Um so the, the the directive was not intended to cover remote work. So in general, the directive would not would, would not cover this population. If the individual is traveling to a member state to work from home, purely for the benefit of their home employer and they won't be um, attending the office or any client sites during the time that they are in that member state, then they won't be considered a posted worker and a notification won't need to be submitted since the home entity is not exactly posting the individual. And this is the case across most, um, most countries where the directive is applicable, but not all of them. So Belgium is currently the only exception, and a notification does need to be filed for, for these purposes in Belgium um, alone. And this is typically because the Limosa legislation, which is specifically um, applicable to Belgium, is, uh, tends to be broader in its, in its application field than the PWD directives, but this really isn't the norm.
1: So very useful for every client to know. Generally, don't be too concerned about remote workers. The main difference is the objective of the posting. So if they're going as remote workers based on personal decision, no business objectives, they're just from a hotel or from their grandmother's house, that's fine. No posted worker except in Belgium at the current moment. This may change, but be concerned if the posting is actually for the benefit of the sending entity or if they're going to an office um, from your company in that house country. Otherwise, I think we're good to go. And exploring a bit more. So for everyone that would qualify as a posted worker, so we do that check that Alvaro mentioned in terms of activities, length and country. What are the obligations that we need to look at before the posting.
2: Yes, yeah, so I, I guess once you've identified that somebody does qualify as a posted worker, based on, as, as you said, you know, activities, length of stay and the home country that, that they're travelling from, uh, then a notification does need to be submitted to the authorities providing details of the posting. The notification does require quite a lot of corporate information, both from the sending entity and the host entity, so employers do need to ensure that they have this to hand before submitting the notification. A notification needs to be submitted generally the day before the start date of the activities across most countries. There are some exceptions though but that's the general position and a lot of the information is required to be gathered in advance by the employer for for this purpose. So you know some examples are things like name and address of the home entity and the host entity, you know personal details of the traveller being posted, things like that. So yeah employers do need to ensure that they have enough knowledge of the travel in advance so they're giving themselves enough time to collate this necessary information and then submit the notification uh, the day before the travels. So
1: so there is a lot to be considered before the notification can be submitted. So, Grace, you mentioned the one day before the notification, but I would just like to confirm it's not that they have to submit one day before. They could submit like one month before if they know all of these, right? Like That's the deadline. Yeah, exactly. It's just the
2: the deadline it should be one day before, yes.
3: Yeah, I would say also that it's necessary to to appoint a representative that could liaise with the authorities. So, uh, yeah, I think that's an important topic, too.
1: What would this person have to do if contacted by the authorities, this liaison representative?
3: They would basically need to provide the authorities with any information or documents they would require. Like, there are some examples. It also varies country by country, but, for example, they could provide with pay slips, a neighbor certificate or any other type of document like timetables, yeah. The, this is very important, and I will also mention that there's another type of representative that could be appointed in any any countries. It's not in all of them, but it's an important topic too, because there's a representative that can be appointed that could liaise with the social partners in, tef- in terms of the collective bargaining agreement. This is a quite complex topic, so this will be mentioned in, in another episode too
1: yeah we will be focusing on that because it sounds very very complex just even mention it but let's remember that this is just our introductory episode talking about posted workers and i mean that by now all of our listeners would be like well we keep repeating that this is different in different countries how we need to check each local country how does this work and why so to give a bit of light on why this is as we're explaining it, so there are three directives, main directives for posted workers that we can consider. There are a lot of other directives such as transparent and predictable working conditions that also affect posted workers. And how directives work is that there are legislative pieces issued by the European Commission that then each member state, each country in the European Union will need to implement. And the directive in itself has a lot of information about the things that are allowed, things that are forbidden, but in other um, concepts or other areas, it just gives ranges, it gives timeframes, it gives deadlines that then each member state has to finalise in national legislation and what we call transpose international legislation, which is basically deciding on the ranges, deciding on the deadlines and putting it into national law. And this ends up with a lot of differences between the application in each of the countries, right? And Grace, I think that you wanted to mention an example of how this may be a problem.
2: Yeah, exactly. So one example of how it's implemented differently is with the different notification systems and processes in each of the countries. So. Some countries have online submission forms whereas in others it's a a Word document on the national website which you're then required to download, complete and send via email to the authorities. And another difficulty is that in some countries the process differs per region. So Spain is an example of where uh, the notification submission process differs from other countries as there's not only one communication system or portal for that country but there's a different system depending on the uh, autonomous community where the uh, services are being provided so there's a different form there's a different platform for each of those regions so when posting workers to Spain employers really need to understand where exactly in Spain the person will be working and follow the correct process for that region and um, obviously this, the, 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 this isn't a sort of ideal situation and, and the European Commission uh, understands the difficulties for employers here and are in the process of developing one notification system to be
1: used for all countries, which uh, should, should be very helpful when it is when it is released. No, that's that's great and obviously we're looking forward to that for that to happen. But in the meantime, this is a consideration and the differences are actually not only in the notification, which is the one of the main steps, but there are only also differences in the employment part as well. Because let's remember that posted workers is not per se an immigration obligation, but more of a labor employment one. And we need to ensure certain conditions that so Alvaro, do you want to give us a bit of a taste of what this means?
3: Yeah, yeah, we need to look at mainly the minimum terms and conditions of, of employment uh, received by local workers in the host country. Uh, most of us, most of the people who know the Post Workers Directive, know that the objective of this directive was to, to establish um, the, the minimum wages that will be provided to the, to the employees working abroad, but we need to take into account another topic, such as the collective ag- agreements, the working time, the paid leave, this this is very complex and also as mentioned before we'll be discussing another episode. But yeah, this is li- like the minimum topics we need to take into account.
1: And now that we know everything that we need to do before the posting and moving to the actual posting, like we have the person there, what are the obligations during and after the posting that we need to look at?
2: Yeah, so so during and after the posting, there would be the document retention obligations, so employers need to ensure that they are storing the correct documents for the correct length of time um, for each posting and different countries have different requirements for that. There's also a social security connection with PWD, so for certain countries if a PWD notification needs to be submitted, then an A1 certificate of coverage for social security purposes also uh, needs to be submitted as well. So, employers need to be aware of those countries to ensure that they are meeting um, both of those obligations. Yeah,
3: because audits can take place and they, they could also need legal representation, so yeah, it's important to mind.
1: So, Álvaro, you just mentioned audits. Uh, what happens if companies don't comply with the obligations we've mentioned?
3: Yeah, they can mainly face monetary fines. For example, we have countries in which the fines are quite high, like Belgium, in which they can they can face fines up to 48,000 euros. Or in Austria, which is the the highest case, fines could even rise up to 400,000 euros. So yeah, this is quite complex, and further fines may arise from subsequent audits in terms of labor, social security, and remuneration payments. So please bear it in mind when taking this directive into account.
2: Yeah, and, and just sort of following on from Alvara's point there, you know, in, in some countries, repeated instances of non-compliance can result in things like uh, higher fines in those countries, blacklisting of the organisation, losing the right to operate in that particular country. And, and from an immigration perspective, they can be prohibited from sponsoring work permits, etc. So, It is vitally important that
1: employers are aware of their obligations and they are acting in compliance with these. And actually we've mentioned just Austria and Austria had such high fines that the Court of Justice of the European Union had to put a stop there. So we're seeing like constant changes on which fines may be applicable. They're extending them to social security, immigration and other kinds of fines as well. So when you look at fines and penalties, you're not only looking at the fines for the posted workers, but in general, this is like a huge topic. Is becoming more and more open with the introduction of other obligations and regulations that we will be discussing in one of our podcasts later.
3: Yeah, sure, Grace. I completely agree with you. And now we are talking about problems that our clients or everybody could could have. I always have conversation with clients about this topic, and and when I'm talking with them about this topic, because there are some people that doesn't know these regulations. They they always tell me like, uh, how how do I control this? Uh, because Maybe they are not aware about this kind of assignment. As I did said before, business travels can also be regulated by the post workers Directive. So they wish to understand how they can control this and how they can start looking into this. So I was wondering if you, if you have any recommendation about this?
0: Yeah, I, I think one of the
2: first points that employers need to understand is which department within their company takes uh, responsibility or ownership for business travellers. So is it their travel team? Is it their global mobility team? Is it their HR team? So those discussions need to be held internally before they can establish how to tackle post workers. So I think that's certainly the first step.
3: Yeah I completely agree and um, my my recommendation is always the same. I I, I know that knowing who's travelling is difficult but for tracking this I will also recommend using technology the technology is very useful for for this kind of topic so yeah this is my main recommendation i don't know if you have any other one
1: yeah no i totally agree like knowing who's doing what and then who's traveling and for whom we need to submit and finally communicate that to stakeholders so like the people that are traveling the managers and raising the internal importance of compliance and duty of care for employees. So for example, employees arriving at client sites in some of the countries, France is the main example that comes to mind, are being blocked by the client from entering the premises because they did not have this notification. So you need to make sure once you know who's traveling and you know which department is responsible for them, that they are actually communicating in advance all of these requirements to ensure they know well in advance they need to Submit the notification, have document retention, have a representative, and understand all of the things that they would need to show when they arrive to the host country, if any. Uh, I think this is a great way of finishing our podcast today. And again, we're gonna have another four episodes that will explore different aspects of of posted workers. I'm really grateful to have Grace and Alvaro here. So thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed um, explaining everything about the introductory episode of posted workers. So on behalf of Grace and Alvaro, I'm Charizade Maestre and I'd like to thank you for joining us today for On The Move. Vialto is here to help you understand the challenges and opportunities that come from employing a global workforce and we'll be covering topics that range from immigration to tax to business travel. If you have any questions about the Posted Workers Directives, please reach out to us directly or contact your usual Vialto contact. So that's it for the three of us. Thanks for joining and we'll talk to you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to On The Move, the global mobility podcast brought to you by Vialto Partners. For more information, please visit us at www.vialto.com. Vialto Vialto Partners and Vialto refers to the subsidiaries of CD&R, Galaxy UK Opco Limited, as well as the other members of the Vialto Partners global network. The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance on matters of interest only. Vialto is not responsible for any errors or omissions, or for the results obtained from use of this information.